and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better. My name's Jared Hogan. I'm going to be hanging out with you today, and man, I'm so excited about today's podcast. Not only because we have a great interview for you, which we do, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the arts pastor of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, Stephen Brewster. And man, he had some amazing things to say. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But I'm also excited because this is our 10th episode, our 10th podcast ever. And it's all thanks to you. Thank you for listening. We've seen that we have listeners all over the world just like you. People in Canada, Philippines, the United Kingdom, Mexico, Germany, France, Australia, Belgium, the Netherlands, Switzerland, China, Poland, Ireland, South Africa, Nigeria, plus all over the United States. Thank you so much for listening. But here's, I am going to ask a favor of you. I am going to ask something from you right now. If you're listening to this podcast and I've not had the pleasure of meeting you, would you reach out to us? You can hit us up on social media, Instagram and Twitter. It's at creative underscore sheep. That's at creative underscore sheep. You can find us on Facebook or you can even email me. My email is just jared at creativesheep.org. That's jared, J-A-R-E-D at creativesheep.org. Let, let us hear from you. We would love to meet you and hear what's going on at your church. Um, and the second thing I'm going to ask of you is if you're loving this podcast, would you jump over to iTunes and give us a review? You see, those reviews bump us up in the ratings and help us get in front of more people like you. And if you're getting value out of this podcast like we are, we know there's other people out there that could get the same value and we would love to be able to reach them as well. And one way we can do that is by getting some more reviews on iTunes. So if you wouldn't mind, head over there, give us a review, let us know what you think. Like I said, we've got a great podcast for you today. I had the pleasure of talking with Stephen Brewster. Again, is the arts pastor of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. They have five campuses right now, and they're opening their sixth campus in August of this year. Stephen was telling me that he has a full-time staff of 12 people, but has 450 volunteers with their creative team. That's right. I said 450 volunteers with their creative team. So he's definitely got something to say when it comes to leading a creative team. And that's what I had the pleasure of talking with him about. And we're going to get to that here in just one second. But before we do, the last thing before we do is going to be today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless. Shameless plug. Shameless As we all know, Father's Day is right around the corner. Just a couple of weeks away, but Creative Sheep's got you covered. For all of your Father's Day needs, we've got some brand new content for you. In fact, a brand new piece that we just released this year called Ask Dad, where we sat down with some dads just to talk fatherhood. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry, but it's probably going to make you laugh more than it's going to make you cry. You can go check that out at creativesheep.org. Plus, we've got some other content out there. A brand new Steve the Screen, an opener, a countdown, if you will, uh, where Steve will get your audience engaged before you ever set foot on the stage. Brand new Father's Day edition. Plus, we've got our Ode to Fathers, Dads Are Awesome, and the Father's Day interactive countdown. Go check those out. And that is today's Shameless Plug. Shameless Plug. Shameless Plug. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to today's interview with Stephen Brewster. 
Well, today we've got a special treat for you, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined with the creative arts pastor from Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, Stephen Brewster. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the Creative Sheet Podcast. Oh, man, I am so honored to be here. Thanks for having me, and thank you um, for everyone listening. Man, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, hey, I, you know, this this conversation was really sparked uh, by me looking through your blog um, and a couple of articles that you wrote really stood out to me. And I thought it'd be great uh, for our audience to hear uh, at which, folks, if you've not checked out his blog, please go do so. It's stephenbrewster.me. Real simple there. Stephen Brewster, Stephen with a PH, stephenbrewster.me. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, and one of the things, Stephen, your, mo- your Monday inspiration, and maybe that's not what you call it, but uh, I've been loving those posts. They're incredible. Thanks so much. You know, I do those posts. It's funny. I, a lot of people tell me that. They're like, oh, I love those posts. And the, the selfish side of me is that I actually do those posts for myself and for my <laughs> team more than I do for anybody else. It's part of me going in and doing my, my creative work for the week and finding things that are inspiring for our team. And so then I was like, hey, I should post these on my blog. And then, boom, it turned into kind of like its own little thing. So, Man, that's very cool. So, and man, I wasn't even planning on asking this question, but with that, is it just stuff you're coming across through the week and then it just happens to go out on Monday, the kind of the culmination of what you've seen over the previous week? Yeah, so I really believe that creativity is a lot more muscle than it is magic. And I think a lot of times as creative people – we really want it to be magical. Like we want to sit down in a room that's got some weird ambient lighting and some, some sound effects. And we're going to sit down and in a moment, inspiration is going to strike and all of our problems are going to be solved. Unfortunately for me, I'm a lot more blue collar than that. And that's never happened. And so for, for me to be my creative best, what I've learned is I got to get out and work. I got to hustle. And so every week I take about an hour, an hour and a half and I devote it to finding out what's happening in graphic design trends. Um, in, in the design world. And so usually Sunday afternoons, uh, I'm, I'm going in and I'm pulling as many things that I feel inspired by as possible and I drop them in a folder. And then throughout the week, as I run across different things that I like or I take pictures in different places that I am, I drop them into what I call my Monday folder. And then usually Sunday night or Monday morning, first thing I take that folder and I upload it to my blog and boom, there it is. That's incredible. I love what you said at the beginning of all of that, 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 uh, that the arts is, it's a lot more, a lot more muscle than magic. I, I that man, that's so good. So good. Um, and, you know, and here's one more question I wasn't planning on asking. What, what does your, your weekly schedule look like? What is your, how does your team do what they do? Yeah. So, um, I get to serve on an amazing team with amazing people. They're infinitely more talented than I am. And, um, <laughs> We, we show up on Sunday and we go really, really hard on Sunday. So Sunday's a work day. Um, and then we also work Monday through Thursday. Uh, we take Friday and Saturdays off and, um, and we're, we're blessed. We're one of the few churches left that don't have to have service on Saturday evening. Um, mm-hmm. so that gives us two full days off. Um, Monday, we don't spend a lot of time on Monday looking back at Sunday because uh, what we found was that most of that time was still emotional from the day. So Monday is a work day. You come in on Monday and you start pounding out the next week. Then on Tuesday, we do an all-staff meeting where all of our locations come to, to our Nashville campus. And we do um, all of our programming meetings on that day. We do our, um, our ministry meetings on that day. Our staff has lunch together every Tuesday. and That's kind of our weekly staff meeting. 
Um, and then we do a creative arts staff meeting that afternoon uh, where everybody's together. And that's where we do revisit anything we need to revisit from Sunday. There's a lot less emotion involved on Tuesday afternoon than there is on Monday morning. So um, we, we visit that stuff, and then we then, then all of the, the guns point towards Sunday, and we go really, really hard the rest of the week to get Sunday ready to go. That's really cool. That's really cool. So how many campuses do you have? Mm-hmm. Right now we have five campuses. We'll launch our sixth oh, wow. in August. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's really fun, man. I mean, like – I tell I tell our team all the time, our life is never going to get slower than it is today. So <laughs> put your seatbelt on and get ready. But also, you know, I'm a big believer that, like, God gives us these opportunities to steward. And we get to do this. We don't have to do this. And totally. um, when we embrace that as a culture and as a, a staff and as a team, well, then the things that we complain about, we realize other people are probably praying that they have those problems someday. And when we really grasp that, it changes the whole focus and, and, and intention of what we're doing every week. That's fantastic. All right, let's jump into these blogs here. Uh, the first one, the, the first one here I, I want to throw out is, uh, uh, I love this principle that you put in on becoming a better creative leader, is just because you lead doesn't mean you know it all. Yes. What, what was going on when you wrote that? Well, I, I'm always learning. You know, the, the funny thing is I've been in this job for five years, and, and I, I every morning I wake up and pinch myself and try to re- remember that this is not a dream. But my background was actually corporate and uh, corporate creativity. So um, a lot of the things that I learn every single week, whether it's a leadership lesson that I learn or a creative lesson that I learn or we fail miserably in something and we learn a lesson um, – uh, we, we've identified, and I think this holds true for anyone in any field or any ministry division, uh, you learn a whole lot more by failing than by succeeding. And so my responsibility is not to know everything, um, but my responsibility is to make sure I put people around me that know their thing. You know, um, I, want, I want diverse teammates with unique skills and their own set of, of tools in their toolbox so that they can be experts in what they are, they do. And, um, I can become more of the orchestra director than the first chair musician. So you're not necessarily clicking the mouse and, uh, editing the videos and that kind of thing. You're more so just directing the team. I love what you said about having the diverse team with a unique set of skills that man, that's so good. And then letting them, letting them do what they do. Well, and so, and yes, so my team gets very panicked when I start clicking mouses and designing stuff, but Mm. obviously there's always times where that happens. And I think as any leader, and there are times when you have to dip into the weeds to save your team. But for me to be my best in my position, the responsibility is probably to stay out of the weeds and let them lead, uh, let their ideas develop, and let me be the champion of those things. Um, and I think that that's true on any size church. So I know a lot of people listening are probably like, oh, that's cute. But my church, I don't even <laughs> have a team. I'm I'm the whole team. And the truth is that it was not long ago that we were that our team at Crosspoint was like four people 
that did everything. And um, what we learned is it's our responsibility to lead volunteers the same way as if they were staff. And so we developed our own teams. And some of the best solutions, some of the most innovative stuff that we've ever done is um, has happened because we've empowered volunteers to solve problems. And so we are – I'm constantly developing – uh, a culture with our team of go find a volunteer to do that. And it's an axiom that we use around here as part of our values of give ministry back. Find ways to give ministry back. Don't be a ministry hog. The more ministry you give away, the more empowered you're going to become as a leader and the more influence you're going to have. Wow. That's great. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Um, so how many, if you don't mind me asking, how many people are on your staff team as well as the reach then that goes beyond that to your volunteer creative team? Sure. So probably first I should tell you what our team composed of, which is sure. music, communications, uh, and programming environments. So, um, and then we have, we just hired a multi-site creative director who his job is, is to go out and make sure that all of our campuses stay in sync and the experiences feel succinct. Um, so our team was five people, uh, three years ago, and right now we're at 12 people. So we've grown so much in the last two years that we had to start staffing for that growth. And so we've, we've added a lot of people in the last, um, the last three years. But our team is at 12 right now. Um, I have wow. a music director, a experience director, a multi-site director, and a communications director. Um, we only have one worship leader. Um, the rest of our worship leaders are either volunteer or contract. And, um, wow. all of our, all of our musicians are volunteer. Uh, we have volunteer designers. We have volunteer, um, videographers. All of our production teams are volunteer. We do contract our sound men. We feel like sound is kind of the spine of our experience. So we need a lot of consistency there, but everything else is volunteer. So we have 12 people on our team, but our creative arts team in, in whole, is a, is about 450 right now. Wow. That is all it, volunteers. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. That is incredible. It's uh, a lot of fun, man. <laughs> uh, you know, one in the same post, one of the things you talked about um, is uh, the imagination hustle. Why don't you explain a little more what that means? Yeah, so I think, you know, as creative teams, <clears throat> we have a responsibility to be problem solvers. And um we we have to be in touch with the ability to to see and feel and be intuitive differently than the rest of the organization, um, and and we have to understand that that in being innovative, innovation actually takes a lot of work. Um, and so for us, imagination hustle is about having a whatever it takes mentality. Um, the we refuse to give up. We believe that we get to do this. We embrace failure, um, and we say yes and instead of no a lot. So, um, and, and really what that comes down to is most creative teams at, at, at church, regardless of the size of the church, they live in a weird dichotomy. Uh, they have the responsibility to be innovative and forward-thinking and creative, but then at the same time, they're a service department for a lot of other ministries. And I don't know of many churches that are are in perfect balance between those two things at all times. 
But we have a responsibility as creative leaders to try to find the best balance we can between those two things. Man, <laughs> you're just blowing my mind today. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to jump Bull, now. I promise you, it's a Red Bull. <laughs> so that's the secret here. That's the secret. Uh, okay, so I'm going to jump to the other blog post here. Um, you had so many, so many great things. Ten to be exact. I'm going to really hone in on a couple of these uh, that you that you wrote about in the the ten things about be, uh, uh, leading a creative team or. Uh, creative volunteers. And uh, let's be honest here, people. Steven's leading a team of 450 people. I think he knows what the crap he's talking about here. So, um, so let, <laughs> I, I think there's a little more to it than that. But first off here, and this was a, this was a wonderful place to start is setting the expectation. Um, I've, I have found myself failing at this from time to time of, my expectations not being meet, but when I really go back to the root of the problem, I didn't set an expectation to begin with. Um, and this is one of the things you talked about. I'd love for you to expound on that. Yeah, so I feel like expectations are huge when you start talking about creatives, right? Because the truth is, uh, so many times, creatives, uh, th- there's a conversation that happens. Hey, we want to do this thing. Okay, great. We do this thing. And in, in one person's mind, they define the target. And the person who came with the idea has defined the target. And way, way, way too often, those are two completely different targets, right? And so Absolutely. the person responsible for execution, they pull out their, their arrow and they're nailing the target, bullseyes, boom, 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 boom. And the person who is ultimately responsible for it or pitched it is sitting there looking going, why in the world are they shooting the arrow that way? We talked about it <laughs> being this target over here. And the executioner thinks that they're killing it and the other person is completely frustrated. Um, and, and this happens every single day in creative departments. So I believe that setting the expectation is the first thing that we have to do uh, when we're trying to lead a team or lead an idea or lead an initiative. And I think there's a few questions that we have to ask. Um, what are we trying to create? What do we want it to feel like? Um, who's going to use this piece? What kind of... Um, what kind of environment are we trying to create? What kind of culture do we want to have around this? Uh, how will our volunteers feel about it? How will the end user feel about it? Is this helpful? And what does it cost? And is it worth the cost that it's going to take? But ultimately, at the end of the day, the most important question we can ask is, what is the win? Because mm-hmm. when both sides define the win and they're on the same page as the win, at least we now know we're shooting at the same target. You know, And so setting that expectation and defining the win it's it's imperative for us to succeed. No doubt, man. That's good stuff. Uh, defining the win that it's huge. It's huge. Um, it really is. So ne- next up here, uh, you talk about leveraging the person, and I think this goes back to what you were talking about earlier with having a diverse group of people with a unique set of skills. And then I don't want to speak on your behalf, but what 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 did you mean when you say leverage the person? Yeah, so a lot of times I think we leverage the job description. You know, mm. we go, hey, we need to accomplish this, and I have this person, and this is on their job description, so this is the thing that they're going to do. And that's cool, but the truth of the matter is, if you want the absolute best out of your people, leverage the person, not the job description. 
Find out what makes that person tick. Find out what really gets their engine revved up. Find out the things that they feel like they completely excel at. Uh, if you have someone on your team who's a conceptualist and they're great with ideas and they're terrible at execution, bring them in at the beginning of the creative process, but then free them up to go do something else while the rest of the team makes the idea happen. You know? That's good. And I think a lot, a lot of times we, we are so focused on either the end goal or the job description that we lose the person in the middle of it. And no art that I've ever been a part of has ever created itself. There's always a person on the other end helping craft and, and develop it. So I, I, I'm a big believer that if you, when you leverage the person, you're going to get your absolute best stuff. Man, that is fantastic. And that that's something Phil Jackson, I don't know if you've read his book or not. Uh, he's a little-known guy. He's won 11 NBA yeah. titles. Chicago Bulls. had a little and, bit of success in his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he that was one of the things he talked about big time in his book was uh, he didn't he didn't do it wasn't a cookie cutter uh, model. It was he very much leveraged uh, the person. And I mean, especially I mean, you're dealing with somebody as great as Michael Jordan and then someone as interesting as Dennis Rodman. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting game to play. And then going to the Lakers dealing with Shaq and Kobe and just the differences and how these people reacted to things. And I love what you're saying there. It's so good. Well, and um, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Knicks because that's a whole different uh, game over there. And right, it's, it's right. Funny, it's funny that you bring that up because basketball is actually one of the most creative sports that there is. You know, like the reason people have problems comparing great basketball players to each other is that every player comes in with a different skill set. There'll never be another guy that's built the same exact way as Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant right. is close, but it's completely different. Different guy, a different toolbox. You know, Shaq is way different than Bill Russell. I'm a huge <laughs> basketball fan, so you're speaking my love language now. But, but the creativity, like the creativity of LeBron James, he does something that we've never seen before. Because in that moment, he's innovating because of the environment around him. And while he might be more Magic Johnson than Michael Jordan, he's still LeBron James. And Every single person on your team is uniquely them. So if you replace your all-star videographer with a new videographer, they're not going to be that same person. Mm. So true. It's so true. Um, okay, moving on here. We got, uh, uh, let's see. Let's go with this one. Uh, you talk about offering suggestions, not mandates. Yep. I've, I've, I mean, I think that if you want to develop as a leader – you've got to let your team lead, you know, great leaders let their team lead. So um, you, you've got to lean in and bring your seasoning, bring your expertise, offer suggestions. And sometimes those success suggestions need to be extremely compelling, but there are times and there are decisions that you need to allow other people to make in order for them to grow and develop as a leader. I remember in my music business days, uh, one of my bosses took me to a studio and there was a specific producer that was in that studio who, who I really admired. And uh, I thought we were just going to hang out with the artist. And um, he started playing us some music. And my, I'm like a 23-year-old guy. And my boss looks at me and he goes, hey, why don't you tell this, this producer what you think about that song? And like literally put me on the spot. And in that moment, I was forced to, to decide if I was going to be honest or not. You know, and, and mm. moments like that help to start to define who you are and what you think. 
So offer your team opportunities to, to lead. And the truth is, if you want really great leaders, and most of us are in churches where we need a lot of volunteers. So if you mm-hmm. want a person who can come in and develop a team of volunteers, then you're going to have to empower them. You can't give somebody a voice and not let them have a vote. And um, it's vital that, that when we, if we're going to call somebody a leader and give them a responsibility, that we give them the authority that goes with that. So uh, I'm a big believer in offering suggestions. And, of course, at, at, at some point, always, as a leader, you're going to have to lean in and, 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 and make a decision. But there are a lot of times that there are a lot of decisions that can be made that don't necessarily have to be made by the senior leader. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. Next up, you talked about knowing that there is not a right way. Yeah. Um, I think knowing that there's not a right way is, is important. Uh, we got to let people work the way that they best work to achieve the end goal. Uh, if we've set the expectation, which is what we talked about a few minutes ago, and we've set it really well and really clear, we don't really have to worry as much about how we get to where we're going. What we need to just worry about is that we get there. So as a creative leader, we have the responsibility to let creative people and creative teams be exactly what they are, which is creative. Um, most of the time, we're going to love the result. Sometimes we're going to have to lean in and coach and, and help get it there. But it's funny to me, you know, like I, I always chuckle when I'm in a meeting and I hear somebody say, then I walk by the creative office and they're like laying on the floor and there's loud music playing in there and there's nothing getting done. And our deadline is like 12 hours away. And I'm like, yeah, man, they're like, they're stirring the soup right now. You got to let them do their thing. And, 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 and just because I would process and execute something one way, that doesn't really necessarily mean it's the right way. It might be the way that's best for me, but it may not be the way that my, my teammate works best. And so if I've empowered them with the expectation and the authority, I have to also empower them with the space to do their thing the way they do it. Man, it sounds like these 450 people are lucky to have you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Some days they they might think that. Some days they probably don't. Man, let's jump to this next one here. and I want to cover this one and one more. uh, And uh, this one is create some chaos. Uh, what does that look like for you? Well, for me, I, I'm always trying to create chaos. Uh, I'm, I, my personality type is, is, is that of a pioneer. So, like, I always want to try the new thing, the next thing. I, I get bored if we do the same type of an element more than twice. Like, I'm like, okay, if we do that again, I'm going to burn this place down. And so, <laughs> like, you know, I, I think that, you have to be very secure as a leader to be willing to jump into to some of the chaos. But I think sometimes, like, stirring up chemistry can help create new things. Um, I think that uh, dropping different projects into the workflow at different times or, or forcing a project into a certain space or – or asking somebody to do something that they're not typically do, they don't typically do, or they're not normally comfortable doing. All of those kind of things help create healthy chaos. Now, healthy mm-hmm. chaos is great. Um, unhealthy chaos hurts people, and so I don't, I don't want to hurt my team. I, I want to. I'm very protective of them, and I'm going to try to get the absolute best out of them. But just like a good trainer, 
if sometimes I don't make their muscles hurt a little bit, there's a difference between um, uh, your muscles hurting and your muscles being injured. You know, mm. I'm not going mm-hmm. to injure my t- injure my team, but sometimes I might stretch their muscles to the place that they hurt a little bit in order to get mm-hmm. their best stuff out of them and make them stronger. And so I think stirring up some chaos every now and then is is a really healthy thing as long as you've built the equity with your team to be able to do it. So if you've just gone through a season of that's been unstable, don't come in on Monday and create chaos. It's probably good to have peace for a little while. But once you've built those equity that those uh leadership equity chips back and, and the tanks full, start start messing with stuff. Start being a weird mm. scientist and, and see what heck can happen because mm. my gut is your team's going to make some of the best stuff they've ever made before and you're going to go, wow, that, that, that was really cool. I'm glad we did that. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, the last one I want to talk about here is actually the one you wrote the least about and it was a little bonus blurb you put at the end here um, and all it says is promote a safe place for honesty. It matters. Yeah, it does matter. Uh, you know, creative people, there's two types of creative people that I've found in my life. 90% of creative people do not like confrontation. 10% mm. seek, seek confrontation. Like they, they it's like a, it's like a drug to them. Um, mm. at Crosspoint, one of our staff values is to lean into the last 10%. And so I think a lot of times people will, uh, go as far as they can go where it's comfortable. And so mm-hmm. they'll be honest. They'll be honest. They'll tell you the truth, but they might not tell you the whole truth. And, mm-hmm. and the Andy Stanley has an amazing talk about this. If you haven't heard it, go grab one of his podcasts and he talks about it. It's, it, it, it's basically, he talks about that there's people in relationship. And when that relationship severs, a chasm is created between the two of them. And we have the choice of what goes into that chasm to bring them back together. It's going to either be truth or suspicion. And when we don't lean into that last 10% and, and we're not completely honest, um, we, we risk more suspicion than truth. And as a leader, my responsibility is to set a table where everyone on my team feels like it's safe to be honest. Like my honesty is not going to cost me my job. It's not going to cost me relational equity. It's not going to cost me. Um, it's not going to cost me influence inside of our organization. That that I'm permissioned to be completely honest, so that we can do our best work. And um, mm-hmm. as a leader, we have that responsibility to create that environment. I, I, I've never gotten. I've never gotten upset with someone for being honest with me. Mm-hmm. But I definitely have had seasons when I've gotten really upset with people for holding back. Because when people mm. are holding back, we're not getting our best stuff. Man, that's good. Man, that's good. <laughs> when people are holding back, we're not getting our best stuff. It's so true. It's so true. Well, Stephen, we're going to move on to another segment here we like to call Rapid Fire. Quick, think fast, rapid fire, rapid fire. All right. And this is, I'm getting my seatbelt on. <laughs> you don't get any time to think. You've just got to answer. This is just to get to know you a little bit. There's no time to answer. You've just got to fire off with whatever whatever comes to mind. So okay. we're gonna we're gonna fly through this here. So first up, favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, chocolate. Favorite band of all time? 
L Cool J. <laughs> I was not expecting that, but that is amazing. Uh, favorite book of all time? Uh, good to great. Oh, fantastic book. Uh, favorite quote of all time? Oh, pr- pray, hustle, repeat. And one of my volunteers told me that. That's fantastic. Uh, you already answered your favorite sport is basketball. So let me go this route with it here. Is it college or pro? I mean, <laughs> any, of the, I, any of the above. I, I love basketball. I, I watch ba- I'll watch any kind of basketball on TV. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what, what is your favorite uh, basketball team? Let's go pro first. Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Okay. And who is your favorite player right now in the NBA? Ooh, that's a really hard one. Probably Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul, like a combination of those two guys. Okay, I'm a I point guard, that. man. I love, I love point guards. So Kyrie reminds Which... me the most of Isaiah Thomas, and that was my man growing up. So Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, who is your favorite? So is Isaiah Th- the next question is who's your favorite player of all time? Is it Isaiah, Isaiah. Thomas? Isaiah, okay. for sure. That is awesome. Man, Stephen, this interview has been incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, what If people want to get in touch with you, what's what's the best way to do that? Yeah, there's a couple ways you can get a hold of me. Um, I mean, social media is always great. Uh, my Twitter, Instagram uh, handles are Brewster with an underscore between the B and the R. So B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R. Uh, you can email me, B, as in Brewster, at stephenbrewster.me. Um, or if you look on my Twitter somewhere, I've probably posted my cell phone number several times, and you can just text me. Awesome. That is fantastic. Again, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, man, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Man, that interview was amazing. I don't know about you, but I got so much out of that. Uh, One of my favorite things that he said in that interview was creativity is a lot more muscle than magic. It just takes work. It just takes work to make it happen. Get out there, hustle, grind, and make it happen. It's a lot more muscle than magic. That's fantastic information. Hey, thank you all again for listening, letting us do 10 episodes. We're going to keep these things going as long as you guys are listening. So share it if you would. Hit us up on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo. I'm sure we're out there somewhere. Um, But check us out. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And go check out creativesheep.org for all of your Father's Day content needs. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time.